Get your sermon notes out, if you would, please, and let me plow through in the next few minutes if I can get this done on time. I try my best to get you out on time, and I'm committed to that. The, um, the topic today is part of a theme, and you can see my new graphic. Say, too fast, too fast. to reach your purpose. And in, in this sermon, the focus is simply it takes time to get there, wherever there is for you. It takes time. We are oftentimes in too big of a rush to get married, to go into business, to sometimes go back to school. Sometimes we're in too big of a hurry to be accepted by a group, to be promoted. Sometimes it's in your best interest to slow down. So you can go either too slow or you can go too fast. Now in our too slow series, I gave you things that can cause you to go slow. For example, being rebellious, telling God no, when you should be saying yes. He can't get you to go any faster because you're still rebelling, it slows you down. It slows down your resources, your life. Being unprepared, the second thing I told you in the too slow series. You can go too slow, and when an opportunity comes, like it came for Joseph, you're not prepared for it. Your mind is not in the right place. Your attitudes aren't in the right place. Your words are not in the right place. Then sometimes the third thing I said that can cause you to go too slow is being frustrated, like Judas. Misdefining what you're supposed to do and being frustrated because you don't have it right now. And then last week I talked about fathers. And I tried to summarize that into this series, a slow series, and what I came away with was, if a father has a wrong job, <coughs> excuse me, job description, his job description is wrong. He has the wrong definition of what it means to be a dad. It slows him down, it slows the family down, because you're doing what you shouldn't be doing. You're not just a provider, you are a what? Guider. Come on, say, I'm not just a provider. I'm a guider, which means you guide. You, you're, you, you're there to say left, right, pause, stop. Today, I, I want to talk about reasons or how do you know you're going at the right speed. But before I do that, note the three concerns I had that prompted this entire series on going too slow or going too fast. One is, sometimes I'm concerned about our speed. I'm concerned that as a church, sometimes we can go too slow, or if we're not careful, go too fast. I think a few years ago, some of the goals were great, but too fast. They had to be moderated, and, they, they, and I think they're smarter, and that's what it is. Never get frustrated if you go too fast or too slow. At least you're going. At least you're trying. I'm concerned about our responses. I said this to you weeks ago, how we respond. It's all about response sometimes. And I'm concerned about what we might lose. If you go too slow, you could lose. If you go too fast, you could lose. So here's the big question. How do you know? How do you know 
if you're going at the right speed? Well, here are five reasons. Excuse me, one, look at your time. Check the clock. What time are you supposed to arrive? Now, here's the problem. Most of us have the wrong time in mind. You thought you were supposed to be a millionaire by this time in your life. Wrong. You thought you were supposed to have your own business. Maybe your, your timing is off. You set the time, not God necessarily. You're only frustrated because you said I'd be married by 21 and now you're 22. You said 21. He didn't say 22. One, you said it. And so sometimes you need to check your time. Can you say check your time? Come on. The next thing is check your tools. Do you have the tools you need? Sometimes you don't have the tools. So let's say it's 1997 and you, and you need an iPad to do your job. You have three years to wait. Because iPads weren't invented until 2010, so you have a ways to go. Some of you, your job isn't even created yet. The tools necessary to be an iPad repairman didn't start until 2010 and 11 and 12 and so on. This idea that you can do everything in your mind or should be every place you want it to be, God says your timing's off by three years, 10 years. I haven't even invented that yet. Your guy is still in the oven. He's not smart, he's not, he's not faithful enough yet for you. And some of you went and got him out of the oven, you want to put him back in. <laughs> Can I hear an amen to that? <laughs> You're looking over and saying, put you back in the oven after church. Check your results. So your results prove it was good speed. You'll know a tree, Matthew 7 says, by its fruit, verse 16. Sometimes it's just not time. You don't have the right tools. And therefore, you end up with the wrong results. That can tell you that the speed was wrong. And then the fourth thing is check your fruitfulness. You see, your results grow and as John 15 5 says you become fruitful it works you make money that's how you know you're supposed to go into business always getting nervous when Christians say I'm in business to minister and I'm selling phones you are going to be a broke person because if you're in the business to sell phones what are you in the business to do and you kids can't even say it can you say sell phones and make money. If I sell phones and make no money, why am I selling the phones? Come on, talk to me. Am I in this house by myself? Are you hearing me? You ought to be shouting and saying amen to that. Come on, people. Amen. There's something about being really honest. If I'm driving trucks. I'm not just driving trucks to get on the road and drive. and look like, you know, on the road again. Going broke, but I'm on the road again. What is that? That doesn't help. It's, you're, you're, you're not clear about why you're doing it. Well, Pastor Rick, let me ask you a question since you, since you brought this up. I just want to know what you think. What you in the ministry for? I'm in the ministry to win people to Christ. I'm in the ministry to train people. But I just can't do that broke. Let's cut the lights out and see how it works. 
Don't do that. <laughs> you better go to the switch. Don't cut the knife. But you, you see what I'm saying? You have to be fruitful. You have to have enough fruit. You have to have enough people believing in what you're doing to give. You, have, you can't go to the mission field and do these things we're doing. It's thousands of dollars, and you can't do it without help. And, and we have to help each other. You know, you can, you, I talk to a lot of our city officials often, and it's really amazing. Um, it's all about fruitfulness. And sometimes if you want to know if you're going too fast, too slow, look at your fruit. This is taking too long. I'll tell pastors, I, 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 when I came to this church, I kind of gave God a, like, a, I said a time. I said, you know, if, if this doesn't grow, I'm leaving. Why, look, if all of you go home, why should I stay? I don't understand. I'm not going to, I'm just not, other people can do what they want. I mentor pastors. I encourage them. But if it does not grow, Ricky Ricardo Temple will be leaving with you. Because why would you want to do anything? But here's what I've learned. Fruitfulness is intentional. Until, if you're not willing to put the right pieces in the right places and work on being fruitful, it won't work for you. It will never happen. You can, you can dream all day. You can talk all day. But students, here is where you pay the price. It's called studying. It's called working. It's called being on time. It's called getting your assignments in and done well. It's, it's, all of that's what pays you. That's what causes you to be fruitful. You can get up here and you can just talk off the top of your head or you can prepare. And then if it's bad, you did your best. But there's something about the Bible saying the soul of the diligent will be, be fat. God wants me to be fruitful. He wants what I do to be fruitful. If, you, if you're in a family and you're in a family business and nobody's making any money, everybody is broke, close. No, don't. Let's step back up. Try to fix the business. Ask for help. Say help. help. Ask for help if it's not working. Your marriage is not fruitful. This is a horrible experience. This is not what I signed up for. Everybody say help. help. Ask for help. This has to be fruitful. The reason I'm confident that our future plans regarding our building, regarding some of the things we're doing, because it's smarter. It's smarter all day long. I've learned. We've learned. And it's fruitful. It already is bearing fruit. It's already going in the right direction. It's affordable. Say the words. Say affordable. affordable. That's how you know this is a car you should buy. That one I can't fix a tire on. This one I can buy gas and fix a tire. Any, meeny, miny, mo, which car should go now? That one. The one I can't afford. There's a moment in your life when you have to back up and be really honest. Check your time. Check your tools. Check your results. Check your fruit. And here's another one. Check your faith. What you believe. You see, if you believe that you're going too fast, you are. There are people who say to me, uh, Pastor Rick, I'm not, I'm not doing two services in my church. I say, okay, you shouldn't. And you definitely shouldn't do three. And I was doing four, but don't, if that bothers you, 
And you have to understand, your belief system affects what you can have. You believe, and if you believe in the speed personally, I believe in a engaging, smart schedule. But some people have problems with certain speeds and certain issues. They don't believe in it. Let me give you an example. Some people believe it's God's will for them to drive a Mercedes-Benz. They do. Now, some people don't. How many of you have trucks? What kind of truck you got? <clears throat> you say that with pride. <laughs> Nissan Titan. <laughs> kind of breathing. What kind of truck you got? Silverado. And why are you looking down at him in the Silverado truck? <laughs> you got that? Did you like the truck? Is that your kind of truck? Oh, see, he didn't look at your truck like that. Yeah, he looked around you. Silverado. Who has a car you really love? You gonna tell me what it is? What you got? Yeah, what you got? A Jaguar. <clears throat> what you got? A Mercedes. Okay. Ain't no Ford people talking. What's the problem here? Come on. What you got, boy? Grand Marquis. Grand Marquis. I had one of those, man. Nice car. Come on, what car you got? Yeah, what you got? A Volvo. I love the Volvo. I, I went from the Grand Marquis to the Volvo. Man, that was a bad car. I love that car. That was my, like, that was my first bling car. I thought, I got a Volvo. Yeah. What you got? A Ford what? Edge. Talk now. Say it with pride. Edge. Remember that. Edge. It's okay for each of you to believe that's okay. And we shouldn't be on the Jaguar person. What you driving a Jaguar for? You need you a Ford Camry. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. But my mother, when I asked her to buy, I was gonna buy her first new car. I said, "What you want, babe? I'm gonna buy you." And she says, "I want a truck." <laughs> Mama, I'm not buying you a truck. What you gonna haul, baby? You 60 years old. What you gonna haul? I want a truck. All her life she wanted a truck. I'm thinking, a truck? You go in the moving business? So we negotiated. And I saw a red Jaguar. Not Jaguar, no, it wasn't a Jaguar. Cougar. Cougar. And it was, she saw it and she said, now, nah, that's a car. I said, you like that? I said, well, I'm going to buy it. I went and bought it for her. Brand new off the lot, let her drive, and she was happy as can be. That's a good, that's a good son moment, let me tell you. That's a good, that's a good moment, man. I'm gonna tell you, I was proud signing paper. Come on, baby, it's your car. You gotta pay for nothing. I'm gonna pay insurance, everything, even your gas. I'm gonna buy it for you until it don't move. Man. But what's powerful is in the middle of that, those moments. It was dependent upon what I believed. If you don't believe it's right for you, that's going to stop you and your family and everybody that you influence, if you're not careful. Can you empower people to have a dream that's different than yours? That's what hurts marriages. 
You married to this entrepreneurial woman who's flying all over the world with all these ideas. I got an idea. I saw some ants and I thought about starting an ant farm. You go, Jesus Christ. He just, last week it was the bees, now it's ants. You know the founder of this church was like that? Ernestine Dilworth was a trip. <coughs> okay. Let me tell the story. Dying out of here, good, I can talk free. <coughs> she would, um, when she had cancer, I met her right after cancer. She had cancer and they, they gave her up to, you know, to die. She was, it was horrible. Dying was 16. So they went through the whole cancer treatment. Thank God, with God's grace, it all went to remission. And I'm a school guy, but she, so she lived 14 more years after the first bout. And she said, I'm gonna start a soul-free prayer line, prayer line for people who were sick like me. And children said, okay, mom, that's fine. Cause see, she'd gotten all excited because she was sick and, they gave, and she laid her hands on TV watching Oral Roberts. And she prayed for God to heal her, to see her daughter grow up and be married. She prayed that prayer. And when she finished and started this Pentecostal experience, got all excited, speaking in tongues. I mean, she was just rolling and feeling God's word of faith. God can do anything. I mean, they were strong and word of faith, strong and believing God can change the world because God had changed her world. And see, when you've been down enough, lost enough, sick enough, broke enough come on say amen been through two bad marriages oh you you know God is able come on say amen God is able love life was had been a mess finances had been a mess she juggled and went to college and she, she I don't think she finished just close to 30 she kept taking glasses Diane's remembrance of going to Atlanta was they would go to Atlanta while she took summer classes stayed in the dorms on little housing they had for them. Working, three kids, trying to believe God can give me victory. Then she gets sick like that. And she prayed and God healed her. So she said, I'm going to pray for people who are sick. And she began to pray for people. But she didn't pray like a person who didn't understand. She knew what it felt like to be sick. There's something you can't help anybody because you don't know what it's like to be on the other side of failure, of sickness of being real broke. I didn't say broke, I mean real broke. No, no gas money broke. God blessed her, she graduated from school, top of her class, and then ended up starting teaching with the Savannah State, graduated, and, and ended up building a house at 3111 College Street in Los Angeles, in, in Thunderbolt, and built that house, and, and then put a big old sign out there that said, soul free prayer line, telling people to call. Now you know something wrong with mama, mama got a sign in the yard. Mama got a sign in the yard. What did it say? Soul free prayer line. That's embarrassing. Then she started the Bible study. Start preaching. Oh, now she's preaching. And she come from a Baptist church. You know, that ain't allowed. Then she started, people started coming. Before you know it, 45 people. Then she said, I want to start a school. Ding, 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 ding. Nothing wrong with her. Then, but she believed. And so for her, this all I'm telling you, all this didn't start with me. When I came, they had 45 people and they had just moved on Bull Street and they were struggling financially. They were trying to make the $800 a month payment when I came. 
She gave it her best shot. And out of it came a school that lasted for about 20, 25 years. Kids all over this town, thousands of kids came through Emmanuel Christian. Amazing what one person, hold your hand up, say one. One, one person believed. It didn't make sense to a lot of people. But the results speak for itself. Thousands of people in this church that have come. To, I didn't do this. I, started, I took the baton. About 45 people came, were here. And they were excited when I came. Here's what they said. What are we going to do? Say, we, we didn't get to go to Bible college, but God brought the Bible college to us. What are you going to teach us? And I, I'm telling you, see, excited people who want something in life, who believe they can have it, are amazingly dangerous people. Yes. Come on, say amen if you hear what I'm saying. Yes. I don't want to be political, but I'm going to jump in and jump right out. You ready? I'm going to get in and out. Say in and out. Yes. You may not like some of the candidates in particular, but they believe in themselves, and you better watch it. <laughs> they believe some of that stuff they're saying. You, you better watch it. You might end up with a wall and a ceiling too. You don't know what you might get. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on, I'm not, I'm just, I am picking a little bit, but I'm just saying. <laughs> you you, you, you got to understand, if people around you believe stuff and you don't believe stuff, you're in trouble if you don't believe. You better believe if that man say, I'm going to shoot you, believe him. Believe, believe. You need to act like you believe. Act like you get it. Yes. There's something about, about understanding the power of coming to this conviction. I believe this. And that's why I can go with this speed. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not, I'm not afraid. Do you believe in the speed personally? Second Corinthians 5 says, you know, you got to believe I can be a new creation in Christ. Yes. I can be new. I can, I can get, let, let that go. I can change my attitude. My kids can change. My wife can change. I can change. We can become people full of love and peace and power. I believe in this place. I believe in you. Yes. I do. And if, I, if, I, if, if y'all let me down, we in trouble. You stop giving, you stop sowing, you stop planning. I told those people I can come to Nigeria and spend, but I ain't, I ain't got that. We're going we gonna to do that together. Everybody say amen to that. Come on. We're going together. They got 60,000 people, but they ain't got the money. They said, we can do this for you. I said, we'll pay the rest. Don't worry about it. Gonna, is 60,000 people there? We're going to be there. We're not afraid. Cuba, I'm, I'm coming, Cuba. Hold on. Give me a few days. I ain't coming right this second, but I'm coming. <laughs> Come on, amen, I'm coming. They asked me to come, I'm coming. Praise God, I'm coming. And I'm not going alone, I'm sending some of you. I'm going to send some of you scary people over, overseas. I'm going to send some of the scariest members i got. Some of you chickens right now, we're going to free you from your feathers. Come on, say amen. Some of you need to get a passport and believe God you're going someplace. and going. If you can't, you're going to give, I believe you're going to give. You're going to sow, I believe it's going to bother you if you don't do what God says. We believe we can. Come on, say we believe we can. Come on. Come on, say it like you mean it. Come on, say, we believe we can. Now whistle, give God a big hand clap and shout amen if you hear me. We believe we can. But it's going to take time. 
And that's the problem that people have, is the time it takes to get there. You don't like the time issues. And I understand that. So let me, if I can, give you three lessons. Three lessons that I believe will help you. We often like everything to come fast, but there are good reasons why some things require time. Historically, if you look at God's record, in my opinion, God always takes longer than we expect. And the best way to look at this is in the context of, of the lives of Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. Each of them has a time lesson for us. And so my goal is to show you, first of all, the three lessons and then show you the lives I've just mentioned. First of all, we often, as I said, want things before it's good for us. They all, all the people except Jesus on this list and Moses wanted children. And you're going to discover that God made them all wait. Are they, are time, it just took longer than, than I thought. When I looked at it, I thought, why did it take that long? Wow. You'll see in a minute what I mean. Number two, we often require several years of isolating, in, isolating intense work to get us to be balanced. Sometimes for God to get us to a place he wants us to be, he has to isolate us. We have to go through intense work seasons to get balanced enough to do certain things. The problem with being young is you just don't have enough time on the clock, so says our previous mayor, Johnson, to figure it out. That was a great comment I heard you make one time. You did, your deficit is, I don't have enough time to sort out how to pastor. I don't have enough time to sort out how to do a business or how to live in a family, family and be married. I, we just haven't had enough training. And thirdly, we often sometimes need a, a while to put the right pieces, oh, I love this, in the right places. It just takes a while to get your attitude from, from self, from being defensive and judgmental, short, short patient to quiet, humble, and team player. The journey could be a 20-year journey. Or you can stay in that place and you speed past all advice, you ignore everybody. Anybody try to talk to you, you get on your mic, your bike, and you speed off. I know what I'm doing. And, and so sometimes you're going so fast you can't tell it. But repeat with me, please, come, please say, it takes time. Come on. It takes time to get there. And the there is the issue. What I'm learning is the, the faster I respond to God and heed his slow, his speed warnings, the, the faster I do better. But let me show you some examples of timetables. First of all, notice Enoch's timetable. It took time to build a family. Even for this faithful man, it didn't happen overnight. If you notice, I love this, this is Genesis 5.21. It says, Enoch lived how many years? He lived how many years? 65 years. God, you, can't, look, you can't lose. I got it in bold prints for you. Give me a break. Come on, work with the brother. How many times? How long did it take him? Come on. 65 years. Here's the hint. In the sermon notes, when it's bold print, that's the big point. You got it? So you can't go home and say, I don't know what he talked about, because I'm showing you. And you don't have to play the turn to the verses game. You'll do that in church. Okay, let's turn. He's in his ego. Okay, he's in, where is it, Jeremiah? He's, where is it, Matthew? And you, get, you spend all your time turning the verses, so I give them to you. 
So here we go. You ready? It, it took him 65 years, and then he had a son, Methuselah. Now let's pretend you're having this conversation with your wife. Hey, baby, let's wait till we're 65 and get started. This is 65 years. I'm thinking, gee, lady, 65 years? Well, that's a good romantic season, though. You get 64 years together, you know what I mean? You and your wife hanging out, you know, walking through the jungle, whatever you do. I mean, but 65 years. I just want you to see the timetable was different than the way we measure time. Then he got Methuselah. This is the oldest guy in the world, whoever lived. After he, began, after he got Methuselah, he had Enoch walk with God. How many more years? 300 more years. And then he had more sons and daughters during that time. So, you know, maybe one at 65, one at 130. Baby, let's wait till we 200 years to have the next two. <laughs> Amazing perspective on time. And down, notice in verse 27, Bo Print, 900, Methuselah lived 969 years. Just a little point of history for you. Look at Noah's timetable. This is an example of how much time it takes to get to time and extreme measures it takes to redirect people. God used Noah to restart the world. It's like hitting the reset button. Everybody drowned but he and his family. Now, what's amazing is this is extreme. Genesis 5.32. Noah was 500 years old. And then he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Okay, so this guy had waited a long time. Baby, we're just too young to have children. We're 300 years old. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Abraham. I love this one. It takes, 20, it takes 75 years to get him to the right city. He was in Ur, moved to Haran, and then finally to the promised land, Canaan. But it took 75 years to get him to the right place just to get him started on his purpose. It took 75 years. Say it with me, please, come on. 75 years. And then another 25 years to get, him, get his family started. He's 100 years old before he starts accomplishing his purpose. Look, at, look, look with me, it said, and, and this is, if you want to see the verses, this is Genesis 12, 4, Abraham departed. And he was 75 years old. And then again, chapter Genesis 21, 2, 25 years later, he has a child. Amazing. Look at Moses' timetable. Notice it took him 80 years, 80 years to get prepared to leave. He started at 40. And all this is recorded in Acts chapter 7, verse 23. He was 40 years old, and he thought, I'm going to go out here and deliver my people. I'm ready to go. And he kills an Egyptian. He thought that people would understand. Matter of fact, in bold print, verse 25, he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. He was 40 years too early. So he has to wait 40 more years. If you look at Exodus chapter 7, Verse 7 says Moses was 80 years old when he goes down to confront Pharaoh. 80 years old. 40 years. 80 years to get him started. 
and you are in a big hurry. Just a point. Look at Jesus. Last one. Now he waits until he's 30 years old to start his ministry. Now, he doesn't have any issues. He's perfect. He has all the tools. But the time is not right. You can have all the tools. But it's, it's the wrong timing. There's something about understanding that in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, he's 30 years old. He began his public ministry, Luke 3, 23, about 30 years of age. Well, my goodness. 21 would have been, you know, a lot faster and we could have gotten more people in. But it wasn't the right time. Check your clock. And just to be honest, he's still waiting. If you said 2016, he died, you know, at 33, deducted out, you come to about 1,983 years since he died, and he's still waiting to come back. Acts chapter 1 said he's going to come back in verse 10. What is he waiting on? You. He wanted you to get saved, come to God, change your life. He wanted to free you. That's why he waited 1,983 years to give you a chance. So if that's the case, maybe it's good to slow down. something to me. This whole study did something to me. You're so fast. You're so quick. You're running. You're busy. You're saying yes to everything. You're working long hours. You don't spend any time. You don't travel. You don't go anywhere with the blessings you have. I took my nieces out the other day. on what I call niece day. Sometimes I take them all as a group and take them to a play or whatever they want to do. And they're old, they're not young, they, they're women. But Uncle Ricky takes them out. Took some of them, a couple of them to New York with me once. They love it. And I asked, I asked some questions. Love that. And, they, and they, they just talk. It's fun. And I asked my niece, Elena, a question. What does my life look like to you? And she's required. She'll fool you. A once in a lifetime opportunity. That's what that girl told me. She said, she said, you have... You have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to touch lives, to change people. I took a step back. I don't even describe my life that way. You have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be a mom. You have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to touch the world you live in. You have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Once. Are you valuing this time or are you complaining? 
Are you, are you so wrapped up in where you need to be, speeding here and speeding there, that you can't see the once in a lifetime opportunity to have a man like that or a woman like that in your life? A once in a lifetime opportunity to be healthy. A once in a lifetime opportunity. Ask somebody that can't walk. They're glad. They wish they had that once in a lifetime opportunity to walk. They wish they had that once. Oh my goodness. It moved me to say, thank you, Jesus. I was in Brazil with a preacher, a good guy. Riding down the Amazon River. We're sitting out by the Amazon River at a restaurant. He looked at me and he was complaining about a lot of stuff. His church and all the stuff. And I looked at him. I said, but you're in Brazil, aren't you? Sitting on the Amazon River, aren't you? They paid for you to help you come here, right? And there are thousands of people here, right? How about this? Thank you, Jesus, is what you should be saying. And you should be thanking those people back home. Come on, say amen. And you should be thanking God for the opportunity to sit on the Amazon River and, and eat fish and say, these people are hosting us. They're paying for all our rooms. They're buying all of our food. They're, they can't speak our language, but they put translators with us to drive us around. They protect us. Why aren't you saying, thank? No, no, too fast. That's what I told him. I said, too fast. No, it's thank you. Jesus. Come on, say amen. Thank you, Jesus. I got back in the States. He sent me a text message on WhatsApp. I don't know if you know what that is, but WhatsApp, they use it all over the world. That's that big texting thing they use all around the world. And he said, um, thank space. You, space. Jesus, space. He said, since you said it to me, that's all I can say. That's all that comes to my mind. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, shout amen if you're hearing me, church. Come on, give God some praise. Some of you need to get up on your feet and shout to God and say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, church. You ought to let God know you're glad to be here today. You're blessed to be in the house of God, happy to be prosperous and healthy and strong. Once in a lifetime opportunity. In the name of Jesus. Forgive us, Lord God, for not being thankful. Forgive us uh, for not seeing your grace. Forgive us for being distracted from that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. All you got to do is raise your kids and you know they grow up and that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Lord, break the bands of ungratefulness off of us. Help us, oh God in heaven, to get it. Some of you in here today, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you to get your life on the right track. The deceit, the deceitful lie that tells us we have forever is wrong. This is the day every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you want to take advantage of this once in a lifetime opportunity to really give your life to Jesus, to really get on the right track spiritually, 
to say, Lord, I, I surrender my life to you. If that's something you need to say to God, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. A special prayer. Raise your hand right now. Anybody said, that's the prayer for me. I see you. I see you. Where you at? Let me see you. Who else? Father, touch hearts, minds, in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you have been walking with God, but you've gotten away from God. You truly saved. You gave your life, but you've been away. I want you to raise your hand and pray for you. We want some lifetime opportunity. Get your life back on the right track. Father God, we lift our hands to you. Every hand lifted. And we surrender to you. We thank you for a chance. It takes time to get there. But we're here today. Inviting you into our life. Inviting you, Lord God, to touch us, to heal us. So, God, I ask you to move. I ask you to heal. I ask you to forgive. Those who raised their hands at first saying, I want to give Jesus my life. I, I have not given my life to Christ. Let this be that transforming moment for them where their lives will never be the same. We also pray, God, for people who were walking with you, but they, they went astray, and we all understand that. We thank you for your forgiveness and the chance to go in the right direction, whether they be home or here. Touch them today. The thousands who will hear this, Lord God, over the next month, touch them. May they feel your presence in the car, on the job, wherever they are. May the hand of God bring healing to them. And God, we give you all the glory and all of the honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. Now, wait a minute. We're going to do one thing before we do this.